bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. We got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd, 2017. This week, two years ago, Senators Maria Cantwell and Pat Roberts introduced a bill to create a permanent 9% minimum rate for the low-income housing tax credit. Now, Senate Bill 1193 did not pass, but the provisions in it were included as part of the Protecting Americans from Tax Hikes Act of 2015, also known as the PATH Act. The PATH Act did pass seven months later, and the 9% minimum rate was permanently extended. Now, during this Congress, Senator Cantwell has introduced the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act of 2017. That legislation would increase funding for the low-income housing tax credit by 50% and allow for income averaging. The bill would also create a minimum 4% tax credit rate, which would provide assistance to taxes and bond finance properties. Senate Bill 548 has been referred to the Senate Finance Committee for consideration, and the number of co-sponsors has been rising over time. And as you know, the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, Orrin Hatch, is her lead Republican co-sponsor. Now let's turn to this week's tax credit news. We have several big updates for you. In our general section, I'll talk about the $1 trillion omnibus spending bill that Congress is negotiating this week to keep the government funded through the end of fiscal year 2017. I'll also discuss President Donald Trump's tax plan outline and how it compares to the priorities of Republican leaders in Congress. In low-income housing tax credit news, I'll announce who is nominated to be the next or expected to be nominated to be the next HUD Deputy Secretary. Listeners who work in the affordable housing community will know her well, and they'll be pleased with the news. I'll also share what HUD Secretary Ben Carson said about the low-income housing tax credit and when we can expect him to release this housing agenda. Then I'll close out that section discussing how you can access the updated Novogratic Rent and Income Limit Calculator. In our new markets tax credit section, I'll discuss the tentative time frame for opening the fiscal year 2017 round of the Capital Magnet Fund. I'll also share the CDFI Fund's request for comment on the annual report that's required of new market tax credit and CDFI program participants. I'll close out with historic tax credit news while talk about a notice from the IRS on conservation easement transactions, a notice that may inadvertently affect certain historic tax credit projects. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, a government shutdown was avoided Friday, and an agreement for the rest of this fiscal year is in place. Last Friday, the House approved a one-week stopgap legislation with a vote of 382 to 30. Then, the Senate passed the same bill unanimously by voice vote, and the President signed it Friday night. After that, House and Senate appropriators worked through the weekend to reach agreement on an omnibus spending bill for the remainder of fiscal year 2017. If passed, the more than $1 trillion bill would keep the government funded through September 30, 2017. Both sides of the aisle have touted the tentative agreement as a victory. Democrats? Well, they say they eliminated so-called 
poison pill GOP policy writers, such as funding for a border wall. Republicans, on the other hand, say they increase defense spending and border security. So here are some of the highlights for affordable housing and community development. For HUD, the omnibus bill includes $10.8 billion for Section 8 project-based rental assistance. It has $20.3 billion for Section 8 tenant-based rental assistance, $4.4 billion for the Public Housing Operating Fund, and $1.9 billion for the Public Housing Capital Fund. There's $950 million for the Home Investment Partnership Program, by the way. Of these, only the Public Housing Operating Fund actually saw a decrease from fiscal year 2016 levels. The other programs were flat or saw funding increases. I should note that the agreement also provides $137.5 million for the Choice Neighborhoods Initiative. That is despite the fact that the President called to eliminate the program in his fiscal year 2017 and 2018 budget requests. The omnibus bill would also provide a record $248 million for the CDFI fund, including $161.5 million for financial assistance and technical assistance awards and $26 million for administrative expenses. Both of those areas would see funding increases in fiscal year 2017 over the previous year. The bond guarantee would see a decrease in loan guarantee authorization levels from fiscal year 2016. The amount would decrease from $750 million to $500 million. The omnibus legislation may be considered on the House floor as early as tomorrow and by the Senate before the end of the week. Congress has until this Friday, May 5th, to pass the measure, so there's not much time. You can find further analysis on our notes from the Democratic blog. In other big news, Trump released his tax reform core principles on Wednesday. And as expected, there was no legislative language. In fact, the plan was a single-page document that outlined a few broad principles. The administration called the framework the biggest individual and business tax cut in American history. So what are the major provisions? Well, the major provision is a call for cutting the top corporate tax rate from 35% down to just 15%. That's the rate that Trump promised in his campaign, so there was no real big surprise there. Trump also called for repealing the state and local tax deduction. That's something I've been speculating about for a while. What remains to be seen is how Trump's tax plan will shape negotiations with Republicans on the Hill. Republican congressional leaders released a joint statement last week saying that the Trump tax plan would serve as a guidepost for the White House and Congress to work together on tax reform. That statement was issued jointly by House Speaker Paul Ryan, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Kevin Brady, and Senate Finance Committee Chairman Orrin Hatch. Speaker Ryan also told reporters last week that House Republicans are on the same page with about 80% of the items on President Trump's list. It is worth noting, though, that Trump's tax reform core principles did not explicitly endorse a key part of the House tax reform blueprint, a border adjustment tax provision. Finding agreement on whether to have a border adjustment tax and what that might look like is one of the main obstacles to advancing tax reform. There seems to be no appetite in the Senate for a border tax. And as I said, the Trump tax plan made no mention of it. Now, does that mean the White House is against the border tax? Not necessarily. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin 
said that the House Porter Tax proposal does not work in its current form. But Mnuchin did say that the administration would be open to negotiating revisions. I should also mention Mnuchin also told reporters that the administration would hold listening sessions in May to get stakeholder feedback on tax reform proposals. I'll share details of those listening sessions as they become available. And Mnuchin said that the administration will hold extensive discussions with Congress over the coming weeks to turn the tax reform core principles into legislative texts. As always, for the latest updates, follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Novogratik. In affordable housing news, I am very excited and very pleased to be able to announce that last Friday, President Trump revealed that he plans to nominate Pam Patnow as HUD's Deputy Secretary. That is a position, by the way, that's subject to congressional approval. Now, the Deputy Secretary is the second-ranking position at HUD and plays a key role in managing the agency. And Pam couldn't come with better credentials. She has extensive experience working in affordable housing and is president of the J. Ron Terwilliger Foundation for America's Families. She served as HUD Assistant Secretary for Community Planning and Development under President George W. Bush. And before that, she was HUD's White House liaison under President Ronald Reagan. Before joining the Terwilliger Foundation, Pam was the director of the Bipartisan Policy Center's Housing Commission. And you may recall, the Bipartisan Policy Center recommended increasing low-income housing tax allocations by 50% during her tenure as the Housing Commission Director. And that recommendation is now included in the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act of 2017, the bipartisan legislation I mentioned earlier that was introduced by Senators Maria Cantwell of Washington and Orrin Hatch of Utah. Pam was also the Executive Vice President of the Urban Land Institute and Founding Executive Director of the ULI Terwilliger Center for Workforce Housing. So all I can say is congratulations to Pam on the well-deserved nomination. We wish her well, and we look forward to working with her. In other HUD-related news, HUD Secretary Ben Carson told the Associated Press last week that he expects to release a policy agenda in the next few months. Carson expressed his support for advancing public-private partnerships. This includes the low-income housing tax credit. Carson said, and I quote, the biggest tools are the partnerships, public, private, nonprofit, and faith community partnerships, which allow us to leverage those federal dollars anywhere from two, three, four, five to 20 to one, close quote. Now I'll keep an eye out for details of Carson's policy agenda, and I'll let you know as soon as they become available. I also wanna mention that the Novogratic Rent and Income Limit Calculator has been updated in its beta version. The calculator now includes fiscal year 2017 rent and income data that was released April 14th. The tool is complementary, and it calculates the federal low-income housing tax credit rent and income limits for every county and metropolitan statistical area in the country. To access the free calculator, go to www.novoco.com. And if you have any questions on calculating the rent and income limits for your property, you can contact my partner, Thomas Stagg, in our Seattle office. In community development news, the CDFI Fund last Thursday announced that the fiscal year 2017 round of the Capital Magnet Fund will tentatively open in June. The CDFI Fund expects that up to $120 million will be available in fiscal year 2017 Capital Magnet Fund awards. Now, the CDFI Fund will provide educational opportunities and guidance 
on the Capital Magnet Fund in the coming weeks. This guidance will include an informational conference call that outlined the program basics. That will be May 10th, that's next Wednesday. You can find more information about the Capital Magnet Fund conference call and other information about the fund at www.cdfifund.gov. If you have questions about applying for the Capital Magnet Fund, please reach out to my partner, Dana Letzinger, in our Long Beach, California office. In other news, the CDFI Fund last week invited comments on the new Marcus Tester Program and CDFI Fund Program's annual report. The notice also specifically sought feedback on the use of the Community Investment Impact System, or CIS, that's used to collect the reports. As you know, participants in the new Marcus Tax Credit and CDFI programs are required to submit institution and transaction-level data every year. This comment period is a good opportunity to let the CDFI Fund know if there are problems you've had in making reports or if you have ideas to make the system work better. Comments can be made until June 26th. And if you have questions about the new market tax program or the reporting requirements, you can t- contact my partner, Brad Elphick, in our Atlanta office. In historic tax credit news, I have news from the IRS that could affect certain historic tax credit properties, and it's not good news. The IRS issued a notice last week that extends the due date for participants who are required to file disclosures under Notice 2017-10. Now, Notice 2017-10 was issued earlier this year, and that's the notice that informs taxpayers that some conservation easement transactions are identified as tax avoidance transactions. And that means that some conservation easement transactions are listed transactions that need to be disclosed. So how does it relate to historic tax credits? Well, conservation easements are sometimes placed on historic buildings that also generate historic tax credits, which means that an historic tax credit building may be subject to this notice. Now, notice 2017-10 specifically applied to transactions that claimed to give investors the opportunity to obtain trouble deductions much larger than what was invested. The IRS said sometimes that amount would be two and a half times the amount of the investor's share in the investment. The new notice, notice 2017-29, extends the due date for some participants to meet disclosure obligations. For those transactions entered into on or after January 1, 2010, the due date moves from June 21 to October 2nd. The new notice also specifies that for purposes of the earlier notice, a donee is not treated as a material advisor. You can see both notice 2017-10 and 2017-29 at www.historictaxcredits.com. And if you have any questions about whether this notice applies to your historic tax credit transaction, call my partner, Tom Bosha, in our Cleveland, Ohio office. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I hope to see many of you this Thursday and Friday in San Francisco at our Novogratic 2017 Financing Renewable Energy Tax Credit Conference. If you haven't registered yet, you can still do so. Go to www.novaco.com events. Well, that's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratic. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratic and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratic and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. 
Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.